We're talking about different Jewish holidays. This one today is called Sukkot. We've been talking about camping because it's a lot of fun. You can do this with your with your family. You sure. But also, you were talking about how in different times of the year, you know, we're celebrating all sorts of things, but they're kind of, even though they're different type times of the year, they're sure. all connected or like interrelated with Passover and things. They are, especially with Passover, yeah. And that's what I came to kind of think through last year was, how this festival of Sukkot, because he literally says, I want you to do this because just like what you did in, in the wilderness. And I was like, wow, that's, that's an interesting thing. Is there more to it? And so uh, we talked about that a little bit, and we got still more to talk on that subject. But I wanted to just hone in a minute for that whole subject of Passover, especially on the lamb. You know, even in the word Pesach, which is the real word for Passover, uh, it's a primitive root. There's uh, three letters there, pay, which means word or breath, in this case, the spoken word of God. Jesus was called the word made flesh because, you know, he's that lamb. Semek, the second letter, means to lean on or uphold or to support. The root is part of the word for when the priest would cross his hands like an X, laying on the hand of, of, the, of the goats and transferring sin to, to that goat, so that's, that's kind of a fall feast thing. In ancient Hebrew, the letter S was actually an X, because Greek came partly from ancient Hebrew. It's equivalent to the uh, Greek X or Chi, which is the letter and symbol of Christos, the Christ, the anointed one. So Het means change, the third letter of, uh, of Pesach. Uh, uh, change, it's a pictograph, looks like a wall or a boundary. So there's several walls that are unique to Pesach. You have that wall, the door that was covered in blood, but it becomes a wall because the destroyer can't enter. The Red Sea becomes a wall, holds back the water to let them through. And, of course, God is a wall of fire when the Egyptian army comes to attack them. So you get these walls appearing. In Egypt, God's anointed mouthpiece was Moses. He spoke and God brought plagues. But we know Passover was always really pointing to Jesus as the Lamb, Yeshua. Since Jesus was the Word of God and Christ and the Passover Lamb who takes away the sin of the world, then something he said actually must be the real essence of Pesach. So beyond the events in Egypt, what does Pesach really mean? Well, the spoken Word of God or the breath, Pei, by the Christ, that Semek, brings change to a wall or a boundary, the heck. His last statement on the cross is to Telesai. When he said it, it means it is finished. When he said it, the curtain, the door, the wall was forever removed between God and man. That's when the, the veil was torn. With it, he breathes his last breath. That's pay right there. His first breath, three days later, brought resurrection into a dead body. So Pesach isn't just about the angel of death in Egypt, but about the Son of God destroying sin and death for humanity. The word Passover is about Egypt, but Pesach is about the kingdom of God. And we have this hope in which we can be certain change is coming because Jesus is coming and he loves his children. Romans 11 reminds us, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a, a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. That is, is, is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, and he will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them, that when I will take away their sins. So wonderful, the wonderful aspects of shadows and types and studying the Old Testament is realizing that 
Well, we understand today is nothing compared to what God will reveal tomorrow. The giving of the Word of God on stone tablets seemed like what Pentecost was all about until Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit onto the new church in Acts, right? Just when you think you figure it out. And then suddenly tablets of stone were just a shadow and a type of hearts of stone turned hearts of flesh as the Holy Spirit came upon them. And it turned out what seemed like a journey or exodus filled with God's amazing provision was him once again taking us from glory to glory as as Christians and as as followers of Jesus, whether you're Jew or Gentile. As the apostles praying that morning of Pentecost, awaiting what Jesus promised, they didn't know quite what to expect, only to expect an outpouring of God upon them. Maybe he was going to give them a new revelation of those ancient scriptures. That's what happened. He gave the word of God at Pentecost, so it made sense. But instead, in an instant, the Holy Spirit, fire, fell on them, and they began speaking in languages they did not know. Joy filled them like never before, and courage and boldness soared within them. The same God the Israelites refused to marry at Mount Sinai didn't wait for rejection. This time, the risen Messiah consummated the wedding on that Pentecost morning by coming to dwell in them and releasing his power. When the three pilgrimage feasts are seen as one three-part Exodus feast, everything comes into focus from the Garden of Eden to the Garden in Paradise. From Moses leaving behind homes in Egypt, smeared with the blood of the Pesach lamb as they miraculously cross the divided sea to John baptizing Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So mm. that's one way, one, just one way to look at it. We're going to take a journey out of Egypt coming up next. And I'll tell you, you've been doing really good with that word Sukkot. It's just like you have graduated right into Hebrew. <laughs> and I'm going to make you look at it from a whole different perspective coming up next. <laughs>